You're not in this story. Yeah, well, we're making it up as we go. Hello and welcome to Making It Up As We Go, a Destiel fan fiction anthology podcast. We're making it up as we go. I'm your host and reader, Nerdy Nerdenstein. The story is ours now. You can't have it back. Please be warned that the stories featured can and will contain explicit sexual content and is not intended for young audiences. Hello. Today's fic is Have Love, Will Travel by Squee Monster, chapters 5 and 6. The rating for this fic is explicit. Pertinent tags for this fic include Recluse Castiel, Exotic Dancer Dean, Past Trauma, Mental Health Issues, Lap Sex, Lap Dances, Fraudage, Face Fucking, Blowjobs, Anal Sex. Chapter 5. Dean spends the following morning cutting yards and weed whacking for the landscaping service he does odd jobs for, doing his best to keep busy so as not to freak the fuck out about the night before. He keeps repeating in his brain all the rules he broke last night, like a goddamn mantra that just gets him more worked up and stressed out instead of relaxing him and making him feel better like a mantra is supposed to do told a customer his real name, let himself come, and started crushing on that customer. Real name. Jizz. Crush. Name Jizz Crush. Name Jizz Crush. Name Jizz Crush. Resounds over and over and over again in Dean's head as he mows lawns and uproots any weeds daring to grow around the shrubbery, sweat etching out paths down his bare back. How can one person carry around the amount of stupid that Dean encompasses all in his head? He broke three of the club's big rules, all in one night and all with the same customer. He just couldn't help himself. The way Cass looks at him, like Dean is a puzzle he's trying to figure out, like he's the most important and interesting person in the world, like he matters. It puts Dean on edge makes his skin prickle with the need for something. To touch, to hit, to lick, to scream, to fuck. Just, the man makes him feel need and desire like he hasn't felt in a while, if ever. And Dean doesn't fucking understand it, or know what to do with it. Castiel makes him want to be better, makes him want to be worthy of that look that Cass gives him. But he has no clue how or why. He spent most of his life only caring what others need and finding out how to give it to them. Last night was the first time in forever 
that his desires took control of his actions. He wanted Castiel, and he needed Castiel to want him back, for who he is, Dean, not Tyler Page. He needed this man to see who he really is, to not be a part of the charade, even if just for a few minutes. He needed to stop pretending to be someone he's not, and to feel wanted for himself, no matter what a fuck-up and a loser he really is. And to hear Castiel moan his name, to feel his cock still heavy and thick with desire for Dean and not Tyler Page, it pretty much broke Dean. Never mind that Cass doesn't really know him at all just because he knows his name. It was enough for Dean to be able to pretend long enough that Cass knew what he really was and still didn't give a shit, still wanted him. It was enough for Dean to feel important and special. It was enough for Dean to feel like he could let go and just be. It was enough. Which opens up a whole other reason Dean is a little shaken about last night. He's never had feelings like this for another dude. He's messed around with a few guys before, sure. But it wasn't ever because he really wanted to. It was a means to an end, mostly. A couple times he found himself in juvie when he was a teenager. And it's not so easy to get around in there if you don't have friends. So when a supervisor offered to make sure he got left alone if Dean let him suck his dick, he wasn't about to look a gift horse in the mouth, so to speak. Once he was a bit older and on his own, he had some months where it was harder than others to find odd jobs here and there to put food in his mouth. So he'd messed around with guys occasionally, if they offered him money for something back. It's not something Dean is proud of, but he doesn't consider himself traumatized by it either. You do what you gotta do to get by. And it's not like Dean wasn't getting off in the process either. He's mostly only ever been attracted to girls, but he's never had a problem with man-on-man action. If he did, he wouldn't have done what he did in his past, and he sure as hell wouldn't be working at the club. But messing around for protection or for money and actually wanting and desiring a man are two different things. And Dean would be lying to himself if he didn't admit that it freaks him out a little. But his biggest problem in all of this is that it could fuck up his job, and Dean needs this job more than anything else in his life right now. What his dick or his heart wants be damned. He's made more money in the past few months on this job than he would have made in a whole year of just working full-time at the garage. This is important both for him and for Sam, and it'd be just like him to lose the job and ruin everything over a pair of blue eyes and a gravelly voice. Dean throws his work gloves in the back of the landscaping company's pickup before settling behind the wheel and slamming the door. He shakes his head as he remembers the look of hurt and confusion on Castiel's face as he told him he needed to leave. He felt like such an ass saying what he did, but he felt sick to himself with worry that Gordon had heard what was going on inside the room and figured out what Dean had done. The ass-clown has been itching to get something over on Dean so as to get him fired, and Dean practically served it up to him on a silver platter last night. Thankfully, 
Gordon didn't seem to be any the wiser of what had transpired. But Dean worries that he might have pushed Cass away for good with the cold way he kicked him out. So all this fretting may be for nothing if Cass doesn't ever show up again. The thought of no more visits from Castiel makes Dean feel worse than the thought of getting caught, which in and of itself is worrying enough. He shouldn't be so willing to risk everything for the chance to see this man he hardly knows again, but he is. He just needs to figure out a way to make it less risky from now on. Once he's finished with his landscaping job that morning, Dean heads back to his apartment to shower and change clothes. He's running late, so he just grabs the t-shirt and jeans that were thrown on the floor days before, taking a second to sniff and make sure they're not too ripe before putting them on. Therefore, when Sam slides into the passenger seat of his car 20 minutes later, his eyes look Dean up and down before he snorts. Dude, you know there's this thing? called an iron? Google it. It will change your worldview. Dean reaches over to rub the top of his brother's head, mussing his hair in exactly the way he knows Sammy hates. Shut up, I look awesome. The wrinkled look is in now, shithead. Dean, stop it. Sam smacks Dean's hand away, reaching across himself to click his seatbelt in place. Where are we going for lunch? I'm starving. Snorting, Dean puts the gear back in drive and pulls away from the curb. It's up to you, Beanstalk. I figure since you're the one growing about ten inches a week, I'll let you pick the fuel. In that case, I pick pizza. Fuck yeah, I am so in the mood for some sausage. Dean winces to himself as he remembers his earlier thoughts about Cass and says a silent prayer of thanks that his little brother can't read minds. Otherwise, he'd be hearing way too many inappropriate jokes about his sudden desire for sausage. Actually, I want a veggie pizza. Of course you do, you little bitch. Jerk. Dean smiles to himself and takes a deep, cleansing breath as he drives, enjoying the rightness of his world at this very moment. Once they're settled in a booth at the pizza parlor and have gotten their order in, Sam starts jabbering on about school. Dean listens dutifully, enjoying listening to his brother's voice. He waits all week, every week, for this moment, when he gets to hang out with Sam and pretend like they're the family they're supposed to be, together and happy and just out for a boring lunch on a Saturday afternoon. It's the only time he feels he can truly relax the only time he can do what he thinks he's supposed to do all along, which is take care of his little brother. For a few short hours every Saturday, he can close his eyes, listen to Sammy, and pretend everything didn't go all to hell. So I told Jess that she should totally run for debate club president next year. I know there's never been a sophomore president before, but there's no rule against it, and I think she could run it way better than the moron in charge now. Dean raises an eyebrow. Wait, 
Which one's Jess again? The one with the rack or the one with the short skirts? Dean, I told you I don't objectify my friends like that. It's wrong. Yeah, just because you don't do it doesn't mean I can't. Dean snorts. One word. Jailbait. Sam replies. Dean scoffs. Just because I can't touch doesn't mean I can't look. Trust me, those girls want you to look. Dean, you're a pig, Sam says. Besides, you haven't met Jess before. Dean watches Sam reach into his back pocket, pulling out the cell phone that Dean had to bribe his foster mom to let him get for Sam at Christmas. He had hated Sammy not having a way to get in touch with him if he ever got into trouble. Not that Sam ever did get in trouble. That's one trait he and Dean thankfully don't have in common. Here's a picture of Jess. He turns his phone on, scrolling his pictures until he finds what he's looking for. Holding it out to Dean, his face turns red as he waits for Dean's reaction. Holy shit, Sammy. Dean whistles. How the fuck did you score her? Are you doing her homework for her? Sam leans across the table to punch Dean in the arm. Shut up! I didn't score her. We're just friends, he mumbles. Besides, I'd never have to do her homework for her. She's way smarter than me. Dean raises an eyebrow. Oh, really? That hot and she's smarter than you? You got your work cut out for you, big man. Scowling, Sam says, I know. She says we're too young to date and we should just be friends right now. But Dean, I really like her. I don't know what to do. Dean tries to keep from grinning too big. You do whatever she says, dude. She wears the pants in this situation. But I guarantee you, she's not going to be able to resist those puppy dog eyes for too much longer. Those things should come with a warning label. Dean chuckles as he watches those very eyes grow big and round exuding an earnestness and naivete that Dean himself never got a chance to feel at that age. As much as he's bitter that he never really got to be a kid like that, he's just so fucking grateful that his little brother has somehow, through everything, been able to hold on to a little bit of it. You really think so? I mean, sometimes I think she likes me that way, but then other times she treats me just like she does any of her other friends. Dude, I know so. If you want, I can teach you a few things about girls. Ew, Dean Gross. I don't mean like that, dickbag. Dean cuts in. I mean like how to talk to her, how to let her know you're interested without smothering her, how to make her feel special, shit like that. Chicks eat it up. He shrugs. Sam chews on the inside of his cheek for a minute, staring at Dean. Okay, if you think it'll help. Oh, I know it'll help. There is one gift God gave me, and it's how to get laid. Dean? Dean laughs as he watches his little brother's face turn a bright shade of crimson. So, big man, your birthday's in a few weeks. What you want for a present? You know I don't want you to get me anything, Sam mumbles, fidgeting in his seat. Dean hates that he can tell what Sam is thinking, and hates even more that it's his fault he's thinking it. Yeah, well, tough shit, because I'm getting you something. Totally legal and legit. So you think on it and let me know, okay? Sam nods, a worried yet fond look flitting across his face. Yeah, okay. In the meantime, 
I figured I'd take you out this afternoon and let you get some driving practice in. You can't turn 16 without having at least some experience behind the wheel, you know. Sam bounces in his seat and almost knocks over his soda, reminding Dean of Bambi with his long, awkward limbs getting in the way. Bobby won't mind you letting me drive his car? Dean snorts. Nah, that's just an old clunker from his garage. He doesn't give a shit if you crash it or not. I'm not going to crash it, Dean, Sam replies haughtily, rolling his eyes. Yeah, yeah, famous last words. How many times did you crash that one time at the park? Those were bumper cars. Still, that manager said you'd never be allowed on his track again. That bumper was faulty way before I ever got behind the wheel. Save it for the jury, Evil Knievel. The rest of Dean's weekend and the following week pass by in a blur of work and sleep. He spends most of the day on Sunday working his landscaping job, and then Monday through Friday is the usual dizzying blend of waking up early to rush to the garage and running home after work to shower and eat, before rushing to the club and working into the early morning hours of the following day. Dean is grateful for the hectic days. They mean money but they also mean he's too busy and too tired to worry much about what happened with Castiel the week before. He thinks about it a lot, his mind straying at rather inconvenient moments to the feel of Castiel's chest, hard and straining against his own. The smell of his skin as Dean rubbed his cheek along his neck, the husky voice crying out his name. These thoughts led him to almost losing a hand at one point in a mistake at the garage, garnering a good cussing out from Bobby. But he doesn't have time to sit around and worry about what last week's actions could do to his job at the club, which is good. If Dean has time to worry, Dean has time to think of ways to fuck everything up. He works and handles things much better on the fly but the downside to that is that he's not had much of a chance to steal his emotions for the next time he sees Cass, and when Gordon informs him that his creepy stalker is waiting for him in the VIP room, Dean almost loses the battle to hide his dopey grin. Butterflies take flight in Dean's stomach as he reaches for the doorknob, letting himself into the room and closing the door behind him. He spots Castiel immediately, sitting patiently in the chair in the middle of the room, hands folded in his lap. Dean smiles at him, feeling his cheeks flush. Hey, Cass. Hello, Dean, Castiel responds. Dean flinches when he hears Castiel use his real name. Look, uh, Cass, you can't use my real name. At least not where anyone can hear it. I'll get in trouble. He curses to himself as he watches Castiel quickly look down at the floor, his face crestfallen. I see. I'm sorry to have presumed. No, man, it's okay. It's not your fault. It's the stupid rules. He watches as Castiel glances up at his face, eyes suspicious. You can use my name in private, just between the two of us. I want you to. You just have to be careful about it. 
Castiel squints at him, head tilted and eyes unsure. I'll be very careful, I promise you that. Now that they've gotten that out of the way, Dean's not sure how to make the next move, or even what the next move is. He's never developed feelings for a customer before. He knows what he wants to do, but he's not sure if it's something Castiel wants, and he's the one paying for the time here, so Dean doesn't want to fuck anything up by presuming they want the same thing. So, uh, how's your week? He fumbles out on a barely contained grimace at how inept and pathetic it sounds. This was so much easier when all that was expected of him was to dance and take his clothes off. But Castiel's eyes light up with amusement as a ghost of a smile passes across his lips. My week was good, and yours? Dean rubs the back of his neck awkwardly. It was good, uh, really good. They both stare at each other across the room for the span of several seconds before Dean curses to himself and turns to hook his iPod up to the speakers. He chooses one of his bluesy playlists, not really caring what it is other than the fact it's loud and sexy. He turns the volume up louder than usual, hoping to drown out any suspicious noises they might make in here. Heart beating so hard, he's surprised it hasn't jumped out of his throat to run off and join a drum line. Dean quickly tears off his pants and pulls his shirt up over his head as he walks to Cass, stopping and standing in the V between his legs. As he stares down at the man, he reaches out and brushes a lock of hair off his forehead. Dude's got some serious sex hair, sticking out in every direction, almost like he's been laying around in bed all day with nothing better than to get fucked silly. Castiel stares up at him, eyes wide and questioning. Is this okay? Dean murmurs. Yes. Castiel whispers in return. He scoots further down in the chair as Dean climbs into his lap, straddling his hips as he leans down to whisper against Cass's ear. I've been thinking about this all week. He grinds his hips down, rubbing his ass against Cass's growing erection, eliciting a moan from the man. Dean presses his bare chest against Castiel's clothed one, wishing like hell they could be skin on skin here. He wraps his arms behind Cass's back to press their chests even closer, squeezing hard as he works his ass against Cass's cock. He hears Cass gasp and turns his head to rub his cheek along the man's shoulder watches as the muscles of Cass's arms flex and strain under the rolled-up sleeves of his business shirt, gripping the arms of the chair, knuckles white. Dean's impressed with the man's self-control. Not that he thinks that much of himself or anything, but it can't be easy to just sit there and let someone rub themselves all over you like a fucking cat in heat without being able to touch them at all. He knows if the roles were reversed, he wouldn't be able to keep his hands from grabbing Cass's hips and yanking him down hard, pressing their bodies even closer together. Or better yet, just throwing him down on the floor and having his way with him, spreading him wide and burying himself balls deep in the man, making him scream and come without ever touching his dick. He's glad that he thought to wear a thong with thicker fabric than usual 
Not that it provides a whole lot of protection against the feel of friction, especially given how hard he's rutting against Cass's stomach. But it adds just enough that Dean thinks he'll be able to hold on to a bit of control. He can't risk coming tonight. Not this early into his night. It was awkward as fuck dancing for the other VIPs last week after what happened with Cass. Trying to make your customer feel like they're the hottest person in the world isn't easy when your dick is not in the game anymore. But he couldn't not crawl into Cass's lap and grind himself against the man. Not after last week, and especially not when Dean can't stop thinking about him, can't stop wanting to see how much he can push and pull at the man before he'll break. He closes his eyes and rolls his hips in tiny circles, concentrating on the feel of Cass's pants on his ass, trying to find the head of his cock so he can squeeze it along his crack. His breath hitches when he finds it, settling himself against it and grinding his ass along the length of it. Castiel gasps, bucking his hips up. Dean, oh, oh yes. He begins to lift his hips up, matching Dean's rhythm, and Dean curses to himself, tries to think about other things so as not to lose control again. He can feel Cass panting against his neck, breaths hot and quick, making Dean grip the back of the chair and grit his teeth. He turns his head just a bit, letting his lips get oh so close to the bolt of Cass's jaw. He wants to nibble there, wants to suck at the pulse point and feel the blood rushing to the surface of the skin, wants to mark Castiel to prove that he was here, that for one moment, this was his. Dean, I want... I want to touch you. Cass whimpers. Dean can feel Cass's skin shivering where he pants against his neck can feel the strength of the man beneath him, all hard lines and lean muscle. You can't, Cass, Dean murmurs, desperately wishing he could say otherwise. We'll get in trouble if we break more rules. He can feel the wetness along the crown of Castiel's cock seeping through his pants, and when the tip catches and drags against the cord of Dean's G-string, Cass grunts, his dick jerking from the sensation. Dean bites his lip so hard he thinks it might bead blood, using every ounce of strength he has left to keep from ripping off his thong and fucking Cass, or being fucked by Cass, or just something. Please, Dean, I want to kiss you. Cass whispers in Dean's ear, I need to kiss you, to taste you. Dean's eyes roll back as he squeezes them shut. Cass panting in his ear is almost enough to make him jizz all over them right then. He growls in frustration, gripping the back of the chair tighter. Cass isn't the only one here wanting to taste and touch, but he is the only one allowed not to. You can't, Cass. Dean groans into the other man's neck. But I can do this. He reaches up to thread his fingers through Cass's hair, pulling his head just a bit to the right, giving him better access. He sticks his tongue out to tease the tip of Castiel's earlobe before sucking it into his mouth. 
He massages Cass's scalp with his fingers, cradling his skull as he sucks and teases the tender flesh of his ear. Oh, oh, Dean, fuck, Cass grunts, and Dean groans at hearing Castiel curse. He never would have expected it of him, and realizing that what he's doing to the man is what made him say such a filthy word makes Dean want to see what else he can make the man say. He lets go of Cass's earlobe long enough to whisper, Say fuck for me again, Cass. He feels a rumble in Castiel's chest and realizes that he's laughing. You keep doing that and I'll say anything you want me to say. Dean pulls back enough to look at Castiel's face, and the fondness he sees in the man's eyes is unnerving. He's not had anyone look at him like that before, and if he wasn't so fucking turned on right now, he'd be terrified of it. But as disconcerting as that look is, Dean still has the presence of mind to smirk. It's a deal, he says, before diving back towards Castiel's throat. He takes a moment to run the tip of his tongue along the cord of Castiel's neck, reveling in the way Cass's hips buck at the sensation, before latching back onto his earlobe and biting just hard enough to make Cass shout, Fuck. Hips thrusting up and stilling, body tense as he spills his seed. Along his ass, Dean can feel the stickiness of Cass's pants where he came, and he experiences a mixture of discomfort and curiosity, wondering what the man's cum tastes like and wishing he could strip his pants off and find out for himself. Which, yeah, is a weird feeling to have for the first time, especially when he's still in the dude's lap and he's mostly naked and still hard himself. He stays on top of Cass, rubbing slowly against him as Cass pants his way through his orgasm. Dean's pretty fucking proud of himself for not jizzing, too, because goddamn, this was a Herculean effort, given how ridiculously hot Castiel is. As he pulls back and looks at the man's face, he's having to work hard to hold himself back. Cass is lying there with his eyes closed, head against the back of the chair. His cheeks are flushed, and the stubble along his jaw is dark, making Dean's fingers itch to feel the scratchiness. His lips are parted slightly and wet, a furious pink color, probably from where he was biting his lip. As Dean stares at his mouth, Cass's tongue peeks out to swipe along his lips, leaving a glistening trail before sneaking back into his mouth. And that's not fucking fair at all. Castiel opens his eyes, catching Dean staring at him and making him blush, which is really fucking absurd given what just transpired. He smiles faintly at Dean, eyes warm, and slowly lifts his hand, palm facing the side of Dean's face, less than an inch away from touching. He doesn't place his hand against Dean's skin, obviously not wanting to break the stupid rules of the club. But Dean can feel the warmth of his palm, so close yet not touching, and he can't take it anymore. He needs to feel Cass's hand on him if only for a few seconds. He leans into Cass's hand and closes his eyes, rubbing his cheek against the softness of his palm. Cass slowly strokes Dean's cheekbone, 
letting his thumb glide over Dean's eyelashes so lightly that it tickles. Dean takes a slow, shaky breath, and just for a moment he enjoys just letting someone touch him and letting himself relax into that touch. He's always just going full stop, never taking a moment to just sit back and be. But as much as he wants this moment to last, he knows it can't. The threat of Gordon walking in at any minute is too great, given that Dean really has no idea how long they've been going at it. He opens his eyes to find Castiel still gazing at him, the look on his face unreadable. Dean turns his head slightly, just enough that Cass's palm is caressing his mouth instead of his cheek. He purses his lips, closing his eyes as he gives Cass's palm a kiss before pulling away and climbing off of the man's lap. He can feel Castiel's eyes on him as he makes his way to the shelves, pulling a towel out of the cabinet. Cass had forgotten to slide a towel into his pants, so he needs something to attempt to clean himself up before heading back out into the club. Dean steps back over to Cass, reaching out to hand him the towel. The man silently accepts it and tries to wipe himself off without taking his pants down. As he unzips, Dean kneels in front of him, placing a hand on each of Castiel's knees. Cass looks up at him, surprised. Hey, Cass, you think maybe you can start coming here on Wednesday nights instead of Friday nights from now on? Dean asks. Castiel's brow furrows in confusion, and he tilts his head as he stares at Dean. I suppose I could, if you want. Dean smiles at him. See, my nights are getting switched, and I don't want you to show up next Friday and me not be here. Castiel returns his smile. Ah, yes, then, I can visit any time you want. <laughs> yeah, I figured, I just wanted to make sure. Dean chews on his lip as he tries to decide the best way to ask the next question. Also, uh, do you, um, think you could make it so you're my last customer from now on? The look of confusion on Castiel's face increases, his eyes going slitty with wariness. Of course, if that works best for you. It will, thanks. Dean stands up and Castiel follows him to the door. So I'll see you next Wednesday then? Dean reminds him, and he realizes he feels stupidly shy about it, like it's a date and he finds he can't stop himself from reaching forward to circle his fingers around Castiel's wrist, squeezing gently. Castiel smiles at him, stepping forward into Dean's personal space and taking a deep breath. Yes, Dean. I mean, Tyler. I'll see you next week. Castiel looks so fucking proud of himself for remembering to call him Tyler that it's all Dean can do to keep from grabbing him and hugging the shit out of him. How can a dude be so hot and so adorable at the same time? Okay, man, he says softly instead. Have a good weekend. Dean doesn't let himself watch Castiel walk down the hallway, no matter how much he wants to. Gordon's yapping on his cell phone just a couple of doors down the hall. But Dean knows he's probably watching them say goodbye like a douchebag hawk. Dean closes the door behind him leaning against it and grinning to himself. If all goes well, 
His plan to spend more time with Castiel without Gordon breathing down their necks should work. Ash is the VIP room bouncer on Wednesday nights. Since they're usually not as busy and not needing a scary-as-shit dude looming over everybody. And slotting Castiel into his last time slot means Dean can spend as long as he wants with him and can jizz a fucking geyser if he wants. He didn't survive the foster care system and juvie and being homeless without learning how to be a sneaky son of a bitch, so at least his shitty life has served him well in that respect. He moves away from the door and begins cleaning up, prepping for his next customer of the night, humming quietly to himself and smiling as he remembers the way Cass looks at him when he says his name. Chapter 6. Castiel spends the weekend splitting his time between both novels, as well as fielding emails from Pamela. He keeps as busy as he can, but he still finds himself staring at the clock and willing time to move faster. He's begun to build his days and weeks around his visits to Dean, and he'd be concerned about it if he wasn't the happiest he's been in months, if not years. He knows he shouldn't be so dependent on this strange relationship, if one can even call it that. For all Castiel knows, Dean could still very well only think of him as a customer. But the more he sees of Dean, the more he can make Dean smile and laugh, the more Dean seems to desire him and is happy to see him, the more Castiel is beginning to believe that Dean has feelings for him as well. And this leaves him confused, unsure of whether or not he should try to see Dean outside of the club, doubtful of whether Dean even wants to change this situation in that way. For his own, albeit temporary, peace of mind, he's decided to adopt the rules of the club for the situation. He's going to let Dean be in control of what happens, let him make the first move of changing the status of their relationship, if he so chooses. Until then, Castiel will just visit him every week and let him know in any way that he can that he's interested in taking this further. Castiel marvels at how he's now able to give up control, to step back and let someone else determine his fate. It's still not easy by any means, and stepping out of his house is still a chore that he must work himself up to. But it is, slowly, getting easier for him each time he does so. He fancies that one day he may even be able to walk out the door without a complete minute-by-minute itinerary planned in advance. Before Castiel knows it, Wednesday is upon him. When he arrives at the club, he's pleased to see how thin the crowd is and wonders why he'd not considered visiting on a weekday evening before now. He concludes ruefully that his focus on Dean and his fear of leaving his home have given him such a severe case of tunnel vision, he'd not even been able to fathom going on a less busy evening. He sits at his usual table in the back, 
waving to Chuck as he watches the man scurry to take the drinks order at a table full of women near the stage before making his way over to Castiel. Hey, Castiel, what are you doing here on a Wednesday? One night a week not enough for you anymore? Castiel supposes that it isn't any of Chuck's business that he's changed his schedule at Dean's request. He's not even sure if Chuck is someone Dean would trust around here. I decided to try visiting during the week to avoid some of the crowd, he tells Chuck instead, and he pauses to scan the room. I must say, there does seem to be quite a difference between Wednesdays and Fridays. Yeah, tips fucking suck on Wednesdays, Chuck complains. Uh, pardon my language. Castiel smiles. Don't worry, Chuck. I like a bit of colorful language. His chest warms as he thinks of Dean's frank and colorful way of talking. Uh, okay, cool. So, uh, Castiel? Chuck nervously plays with the edge of a napkin on the table, and Castiel waits silently for him to work up the courage to say what's on his mind. Have you, uh, heard anything from your editor about my novel? I emailed it to her a couple of days after you gave me her email address, and I haven't heard back. Colorful language springs to mind, but Castiel is neutral when he replies. She did ask if you really were a friend of mine, but I have not heard anything else about it from her. Oh, okay, I guess no news is good news, huh? That's the best way to look at it, I believe, yes. Castiel notices the disappointed look on the waiter's face and feels a wave of sympathy for him. She may not have had time to read it yet. She's very busy, I can assure you of that. Chuck grimaces. Yeah, I get it. It's okay. It's not like I've got anything else to do but wait, right? <laughs> so you want your usual beer tonight? Yes, thank you. Castiel watches as the man steps back and turns to walk to the bar, and then with the memory of his own 15 rejection letters giving him a little push. Chuck, he calls after him. Chuck stops turning around to see what Castiel wanted. Next time I speak with Pamela, I'll ask her if she's had a chance to read it yet. Chuck's face lights up. Thanks, Castiel. I really appreciate it. With that settled, Castiel settles back into his chair to watch the night's performances. Fewer patrons also means less chaos during the performances, Castiel notices. The dancers still receive tips as they perform, the expected dollar bills wedged into G-strings, as well as not a few slips of paper with what Castiel can only presume are phone numbers. He's intrigued to see that the male dancers get more fanfare and tips than the female dancers, though the attention the women receive is nothing to be scoffed at either. Castiel makes his way to the VIP hallway to reserve a dance with Dean before Tyler Page goes on stage. There's a moment of confusion as he tries to explain to the weedy bouncer that he'd like the last dance of the night with Tyler. Man, how am I supposed to know when the last dance will be? Could be at ten, could be at midnight for all I know. Tyler's a popular dude. This ain't the Olive Garden. We don't have a pager system here, you know. The man scoffs. 
I'll come to you every so often to get updates on the time. I have no problem waiting. Castiel replies, jaw set. Okay. Hey, man, no biggie. You don't mind waiting? I'll let you in whenever you want. The man shrugs. I'll check in with you a bit after Tyler's performance then. Castiel finds his way back to his table just as Dean takes the stage. His costume tonight is that of a priest, and he walks slowly to the middle of the stage with a rosary wrapped around his hand. Castiel has never really understood the sexual fascination some have with priests, but he must admit, Dean does look especially becoming in the clerical outfit with the white collar. Dean stands still with his eyes closed under the spotlight as the music begins to play. What sounds like Gregorian chants. The audience grows quiet as they watch him, mesmerized by his reverence as he kneels down, palming the rosary to his lips as he whispers a prayer to himself. Castiel holds his breath as he watches, much as the rest of the room must be doing, since you could almost likely hear a pin drop. The chants over the sound system fade away, and for a few long seconds there is complete silence in the room as Dean continues to kneel, whispering to himself with his eyes closed. As he purses his lips to kiss the rosary, a guitar riff explodes through the loudspeakers, and Dean opens one eye, raises an eyebrow, looks out at the crowd, and smirks. The women at the front tables all start screaming at once, jumping up and clapping, as the men at the table on the other side of the stage start whooping and hollering. Castiel smiles to himself, not surprised at all that Dean could send everyone into a frenzy with just a smirk. Dean slides his hand slowly up his chest, bottom lip caught between his teeth as his gaze spans the audience. He juts his shoulders to the beat of the drums, slowly thrusting his hips before jumping up and motioning with his hands to encourage the audience. He bounces his way across stage, and as the song begins the chorus, he rips off his shirt and pants, revealing his G-string underneath. He claps his hands to the music, engaging the audience and encouraging them to clap along with him, even getting them to sing along with the chorus, the entire room screaming, I'm on a highway to hell. It's a wonderful number, and Castiel is reminded yet again of what a great performer Dean is. He has such an infectious and engaging warmth about him. He can pull anyone in with a wink and a smile, make them want to be a part of his world and find out what lies underneath. Or maybe that's just me, Castiel muses. There's always been something there for him, something that makes him want to get closer, something that pulls him to Dean. He recognizes something in the man that feels familiar to him, though he's never been given any reason to think that they have anything in common. He just can't seem to shake the feeling that, if given the chance, with Dean he could find the answers to questions he didn't even know he had. Dean finishes his number with countless wads of dollar bills in his G-string and the white collar still around his neck. He smiles and waves at the audience as he backs off the stage, and Castiel waits about a half an hour before returning to the VIP hallway. The bouncer waves to him as he sees him. 
Hey, man, Tyler said to tell you to come back in about an hour. He's got three other dances to do before you. Castiel nods. That sounds fine, thank you. No problemo, man. The man replies as he holds his hand out to Castiel. I'm Ash, by the way. Tyler says you're a cool cat. So you need anything, you just let me know. Castiel looks down at Ash's hand for several seconds before reluctantly grasping it with his own. Thank you, Ash. I appreciate it. He returns to his table, orders another beer when Chuck stops by, and leans back in his chair. Thoughts of Dean kneeling before him in that priest costume, keeping him occupied until it's time to find his way back to the VIP room. Castiel knocks quietly on the door before entering, but when he doesn't hear a response, he hesitates. You can go in. Tyler just said to send you in whenever you got back, Ash says behind him. Castiel glances over his shoulder at the bouncer before hesitantly turning the doorknob and walking in. As he shuts the door behind him, he notices Dean standing in front of the cabinets along the opposite wall, fully clothed in the priest outfit his back to Castiel. His shoulders are hunched over, and it takes a couple seconds for Castiel to realize that he's on his cell phone. He's about to clear his throat when Dean starts talking. Dude, fucking promise me that's what really happened. I swear to God, if that asshole hurt you. He stops whispering, as if the person on the other end of the line has interrupted him. Castiel doesn't want to eavesdrop, but at the same time, he's very concerned by how upset Dean obviously is and is afraid to make his presence known. Castiel watches as Dean grasps the counter with the hand not holding the phone, knuckles white as he grips the edge. I know, I know, I just, I can't stand not being there, Sammy. Please, just, just tell me you'll call me if you need me, okay? I don't give a fuck what the judge says. I will steal a car and I will get you out of there so fast. There's another pause as whoever Dean is talking to interrupts him again before Dean continues, his voice cracking. Okay, I know. Just take the pain pills the doc gave you and get some rest. And call me when you wake up tomorrow, okay? Okay, I love you, shithead. Dean ends the call and throws his phone across the room before kicking the wall in front of him and slamming a fist into the cabinet. He still hasn't noticed Castiel's presence, and Castiel's not sure of what to do. He steps as quietly as possible up to Dean and places a hand on his shoulder. Dean gasps, turning to look over his shoulder at Castiel, tears streaking a path down his cheeks. Dean, what happened? Castiel whispers. Dean's face crumples as he tries to hold back the tears threatening to spill from his eyes. I don't know what to do anymore, Cass. Castiel lets his hand drop from Dean's shoulder as the man turns around to face him. He wants to offer him comfort, maybe wrap his arms around him, give him a shoulder to cry on. But Castiel has never really understood how to offer such things without being awkward. As he watches Dean, he can tell that the man is wary, trying in vain to shut himself off 
but so obviously distraught that he's not able to do so. Maybe it would help you if you talk about it. He broaches cautiously. Dean shakes his head. I don't want to talk about this shit. It's nobody's business but my own. He wipes his tears away with the back of his hand, looking everywhere in the room but at Castiel in front of him. He moves to walk away, but at the last second Castiel reaches out, placing his hand at the crook of Dean's elbow. Dean looks down at his hand, confusion flitting across his face, as if he doesn't understand how the hand got there, doesn't understand why Castiel is touching him. You listened to me once, when I felt I had no one to listen. Castiel says gently, Please allow me to return the favor. Dean's brow knits a line of worry and pain before smoothing out in defeat. I'm going to need whiskey. Of course you will. I'll ask Ash to bring us a bottle. Castiel steps swiftly to the door, grateful to find Ash leaning against the wall just outside the room. I'm sorry to bother you, Ash, but could you please have Chuck bring us a bottle of whiskey? He'll know to put it on my tab. <laughs> Rock on, man. We'll do. He salutes Castiel before sauntering down the hall and into the club room. As Castiel turns back into the room, he finds Dean has pulled up the folded chair in front of the leather chair, as he did what seems like forever ago when Castiel confessed his secrets to Dean. Castiel sits down as Dean turns his chair around, straddling it again. He watches in silence as Dean scrubs his face with his hands, keeping his eyes squeezed shut for several moments before opening them and glancing at Cass. Dean rolls his eyes when he finds Castiel staring at him. Dude, you make me feel like a bug under a magnifying glass, the way you keep staring at me. My apologies, Castiel replies. Nah, it's okay, I just, I've just never really talked about this before, alright? At least not to anybody that's not getting paid to make me talk. And even then, they only want to hear the bare minimum to say they did their job. Castiel squints, confused. Who is they? Dean grimaces. He stares at the floor between them for several moments before saying, Child Protective Services, state shrinks, people like that. Castiel waits to see if Dean is going to elaborate, and when he doesn't, he asks, who was on the phone, Dean? A sad smile breaks across the man's face, filled with such love and heartache that it almost takes Castiel's breath away. My little brother, Sammy. As Castiel opens his mouth to speak, there's a knock on the door. Whiskey is a go-go, Ash announces from the other side. Castiel huffs, standing up and walking to the door. When he opens it, Ash thrusts the bottle and two glasses at him with a wink. Castiel nudges the door closed with his knee, walks back to hand both glasses to Dean, and silently fills them with whiskey, taking one for himself as he watches Dean drink his down with one gulp. He refills Dean's glass without comment and sets it down on the floor beside him before returning to his seat. How old is your brother? Dean sighs. He turned 16 in a couple of weeks. Castiel hesitates, wanting to ask, 
but afraid to hear the answer. Does he? Is he living with your parents? Dean stares at his hands, tilting his glass and watching the amber liquid swirl. Our parents are dead, he says, voice monotone. Castiel somehow knew the answer before he heard it, but that doesn't make him ache any less for the man before him. He remains silent, occasionally taking sips of his drink as he waits for Dean to continue. With a shaky breath, Dean clears his throat. Our house caught fire when I was ten. Sammy was just a little rug rat. I think he was around six months old or something. It was faulty wiring or some shit like that. I don't know. Didn't really matter what caused it. All that mattered was my mom was dead. He takes another swallow of whiskey, grinding his teeth and stealing his jaw as he swallows the liquid down. My dad tried to save her, but the heat was too much, and the smoke. He couldn't see a damn thing. He got me out, ran back in, and grabbed Sammy, handing him off to me outside. But it was too late for Mom. He couldn't reach her. He gets a faraway look in his eyes as he continues. It might have been better for Dad if he had just died in the fire that night, too. Because we lost him that night just as good as if he'd burned. He started drinking and just couldn't stop. My mom was his world. And even though he loved us, and he did his best to take care of us, he couldn't do it. He was too broken. Most days, he couldn't even get himself out of bed. He finishes off what's left of the alcohol in his glass and leans down, wrapping his fingers around the bottle and pouring himself some more. So I ended up taking care of Sam most of the time. I cooked his meals and made sure he washed up every night. I got him dressed and did our laundry, made sure Dad was sober enough to drive him to daycare every morning, and I'd swing by after school and pick him up to take him home, since by that time Dad would be too drunk to drive. Castiel speaks up. How was your father able to work and support you financially if he was drunk all the time? Dean snorts. He got a settlement from the company that did the wiring on the house. Wasn't much, and he wasted it all inside a couple of years. But it was enough to keep him from having to work, and since he wasn't working, he didn't really have anyone to answer to. We don't have any other family. Why didn't you tell your teachers that you were having to take care of your brother, and that your father was so sick? Dean stares at Castiel, an angry expression marring his features. Are you fucking kidding me? I wasn't stupid. I knew that if I told someone what was going on, they'd take us away from him. My dad may have been fucked up, but he was the only dad we had. There was no fucking way I was going to do anything to break us up even more. Castiel nods quickly. I understand, Dean. And I would most likely have done the same, were I in your shoes. Dean stares at him, body tense. After several moments, he takes a deep breath, closing his eyes and shaking his head. No matter how hard I tried to keep us together, though, I did end up fucking it all to pieces anyway. One night, about four years after my mom died, I was in a real pissy mood. I don't even remember what about. And I was just so fucking tired of my dad's shit, you know? Just once, I wanted to feel like a normal kid. 
not have to make sure my snotty little brother got fed and not have to make sure my dad didn't pass out and choke on his puke. So I asked my dad for Burger King for supper, and he said no. He didn't feel like going to get it, and I just lost it. Started yelling and screaming about him being too lazy and too much of a drunk to be a real dad. And as I was screaming, I saw this look on my dad's face. Like so much hurt and self-loathing and pain. Dean's voice cracks, and he squeezes his eyes shut and clears his throat before continuing. And before he turned his back on me, I saw that I'd made my dad cry. And I hated myself for that. So much more than I could have ever hated him. Because here was this broken man. And he loved me, but I didn't know how to even fucking live anymore. So I just shit all over him. Dean swallows hard and takes a deep breath. So a few minutes later, he grabs his keys, gets this big smile on his face and says, Hey kids, let's go to Burger King. I knew he was too drunk to drive. I knew it. But like the selfish asshole that I am, I was just happy that for once we could pretend like we were a normal family. Go to Burger King and get me a fucking cheeseburger and watch Sammy play on the swings like the goofy dork he was. His voice falters, goes so faint Castiel has to strain to hear it. On the way there, Dad swerved into oncoming traffic, overcorrected and ended up wrapping us around a utility pole. The coroner said he died instantly. Castiel feels the bottom drop out of his stomach in horror. He watches a tear find its way down Dean's cheek, feels an overwhelming urge to reach out and wipe it away, but he doesn't. Instead, he waits patiently for Dean to continue. Sammy and I weren't hurt too bad, thank God. But we got put under state care since we don't have any other family. We got shifted around from foster family to foster family, and the state tried its best to keep us in the same families, but it wasn't easy, especially with me being a teenager. So most of the time we were separated, though I thought for sure Sam being so young and such a cute kid that he'd get adopted, but neither one of us ever did. They were supposed to let us have visits together every week or so if we were separated, and for the most part we did, but it was never enough. Sammy was the only family I had left, and I was supposed to take care of him, and I couldn't. I felt like a piece of me was missing whenever we were apart. He finally passes a shaking hand over his eyes. Still do, most days, he mumbles under his breath. Castiel watches as he shifts in his seat, becoming more uneasy as he ponders the rest of his story. Then when I was 16, I wanted to get Sam a birthday present. The brat had his heart set on a fucking science kit, and I begged my foster mom to give me the money for it, but she wouldn't do it. Even after I promised to work it off by cleaning the house for weeks or going out and getting a job somewhere. So I tried stealing it, but idiot that I am, I got caught. He exhales harshly, and his voice goes louder, angry now. They threw me in juvie for it, and I ended up having to stay there until I turned 18. That place was a fucking shit tank. 
I don't see how they can expect any kid to come out of that as anything other than a criminal. But the worst thing about it was they wouldn't let me see Sammy anymore. I went almost two years without getting to see him, and it was the worst time of my life. He shakes his head, wiping the tears from his eyes again. When I finally got out of juvie, I didn't know what to do with myself. I got my GED while I was in there, but I had no idea how to go about getting a job. I had no skills. The state offered to give me a place to stay and help getting started, but I wanted to get as far away from that as I could. I checked in with my state-appointed counselor every so often because it was mandatory, and that was the only way I could start back up with my visitations with Sam. But other than that, I was on my own. I went almost a year without a steady job or a place to live. I stayed at the Y every so often, but that place gives me the creeps, so I avoided it when I could. I had to do a lot of shit I'm not proud of to survive. He glances up at Castiel, eyes darting quickly away as his cheeks flush. Castiel can only imagine what someone in such dire straits would have to do to survive and he silently curses all the people who have failed these two boys. One day, I was walking down this street, and I saw a now-hiring sign in the window of an auto shop. The only thing I knew about cars was shit my dad told me on the few occasions he was sober and working on his Impala. But I figured, what the hell, it's worth a shot. I told the owner, Bobby, that I didn't know much yet, but that I'd work harder for him than anybody he'd ever met and the dude hired me on the spot. He manages a laugh that sounds surprised, and his whole expression goes amazed for a moment as he continues. I was all proud of myself, thinking I must have really impressed the guy if he hired me so fast without any references. But Bobby told me about a year later that the reason he hired me was because he was afraid I'd get blown away by a decent gust of wind. I was so skinny. And once Bobby heard I was sleeping at the Y when they had room, and the park across town when they didn't. He cleaned up an old storage room at the garage and put a cot in there for me. Dean grins as he talks about his boss. Bobby saved my life. If it wasn't for him, I don't know if I'd ever been able to get my shit together enough for the state to start letting me see Sam every week again. He continues to smile wistfully as his finger traces the edge of his glass. Since then... I've made enough to get my own apartment. It's not much, but I don't need much to get by. I started working here at the club. When I'd heard one of the other dancers who'd come into the garage to get his car worked on talk about how much he made in a night. I've only been dancing a few months, but I've already made more than I make in a year at the garage. That makes it worth all the humiliation and the weirdos. I'm saving all the money I make here to put Sammy through college. Dean's eyes light up as he talks about his brother. You know, they say Sam's testing at genius levels. Always knew that big head was good for something. He says he wants to be a child advocacy lawyer. If anyone can do it, I know he can. And since I couldn't be there for him the past few years, I want to make sure I get him started off right once he graduates high school. It's the least I can do for him. His voice fades as he finishes... He slumps in his chair, shoulders hunched, almost as if he's lost all energy now that he's finished telling Castiel about his childhood. 
Castile feels such a wave of affection for this man before him that he almost can't breathe. Dean, what was the phone call about tonight? Is Sam all right? He asks. Dean scowls. Sam called to tell me that he fell and broke his hand at baseball practice. How is he now? He's okay. At least that's what he tells me. I wouldn't put it past him to lie to keep me from freaking out. I don't understand. Do you think he's lying about what happened? Castiel asks. Dean shrugs, resting his chin in the palm of his hand as he leans against the back of the chair. He knows I don't trust his foster mom or her deadbeat boyfriend, and he knows I'll get pissed at myself because I wasn't there to protect him. It sounds like Sam knows you well and cares enough to want to protect you as much as you do him. Yeah, well, that's the Winchester way. Throw yourself in the line of fire to protect your family, Dean chuckles. Maybe you both should find more constructive ways to take care of each other, Castiel replies. Dean stares at Castiel, a slow smile spreading across his face. Well, I'm open to suggestions, Cass. Before Castiel can respond, there's a knock on the door, and Ash sticks his head in a second later. Hey, guys, if you don't need anything, I thought I'd clock off. You're good to go, buddy, Dean says with a wave, and he stares at the closed door for a moment before turning his head and catching Castiel staring openly at him. Dude, you sure like to stare, don't you? Castiel frowns. Does that bother you? Dean shrugs and clears his throat. Nah, I guess not. Just takes some getting used to. He keeps his eyes steady on the floor, teeth worrying at his bottom lip. He seems to be working up the nerve to say or ask something, so Castiel remains quiet, waiting to hear what it is. So, uh, I can still dance for you tonight, if you want. He glances quickly at Castiel before looking at his hands. I mean, you did pay for it and everything. Castiel shakes his head. Dean, no. I don't need you to dance for me. I'm fine with the way we spent this evening. More than fine, actually. I'm honored that you felt comfortable enough to share this with me. A sigh escapes Dean's lips. Oh, thank God. I'm so fucking tired, Cass. You don't even know. Castiel laughs and stands up. Well, in that case, I think I'll be going ahead and making my leave. Dean jumps up. Oh, no, no, man. I didn't mean you had to go. Shaking his head, Castiel reaches for his coat. No, Dean, this is quite all right. I'm actually pretty tired as well. And this way, maybe you can go home early and get some rest. I'm sure you'll feel much better in the morning. Dean smiles and steps up closer to Castiel. Actually, I think I'm feeling better now. I really appreciate you letting me get all that off my chest. I didn't realize how good it'd feel just to say it and let it out. Castiel reaches inside his coat, pulling out a pen and a small notebook he uses to jot down ideas when he's not near his computer. If you ever feel the need to talk again, or if you just need someone to listen to you vent, here's my cell phone and home phone numbers. He writes both numbers down on the tiny slip of paper and hands it to Dean. Please, Dean, 
Don't hesitate to call me whenever you want. I enjoy talking to you. As he slips the paper into Dean's hand, he wraps his fingers around the man's fist and squeezes. Dean looks down at their joined hands, his mouth closing and opening several times before he finds the words to speak, his voice hoarse. Inks, Cass, he whispers. See you next week. Castiel's heart breaks at the hopeful note in Dean's voice, the man's eyes wide and vulnerable. Of course, Dean. See you next week.
Thank you so much for your support. I can be contacted on Twitter, Tumblr, or at makingitupaswegopod at gmail.com. If you are able, please go to the author's AO3 story and give comments and kudos to them for sharing this with us. The link is in the show notes. This will also be posted on AO3 as a podfic under my username, and the link will be in the show notes as well. As always, thank you so much for listening.